Good morning, Crosspoint family. Buenos dias. You may have a seat. Pueden tomar asiento. Welcome, everyone. It's so great to see you. And uh, I think it's awesome to be able to get together and honor our Heavenly Father as we recognize our human dads. Uh, so for all of you dads that are here, we appreciate you at Crosspoint. We understand it's a difficult task to be a dad, but it's all worth the work and the effort and the sacrifice. And so for you dads, we, uh, we appreciate you. We want to encourage you. Todos los padres, bienvenidos. Nos da mucho gusto que nos acompañen y... Uh, creo que, déjeme anunciar, si ocupan traducción, tenemos unos audífonos y están disponibles. Si gustan levantar la mano, ya no tenemos audífonos. Se acabaron. Wow. All right. Vamos a comprar más. <ríe> uh, apreciamos el hecho de que estén aquí. El, el papel de, de papá es uno difícil, pero el sacrificio, la dedicación, el trabajo uh, vale la pena. Crear nuestros hijos en el temor de Dios. Es que bienvenidos. Y creo que es lo último que voy a decir en español. Y después la traducción va a estar lista. Um, okay. Pero bienvenidos. Nos da gusto que nos acompañen. So I noticed that uh, that's, that's all of Spanish I'm going to do this morning because we do have uh, some translating devices. Our brother Salvador Jr. is translating live and people that are Spanish speakers are listening to the translation in their ear. So we thank you for that. But we ran out of devices. We're going to buy some more. That's a good thing. Our Spanish group has been growing lately, and so we're grateful for that. So I noticed that there are a lot of you that are new here, a lot of faces that I didn't recognize. I want to let you know that we're thrilled to have you. For us, one of the most encouraging things as Crosspoint leadership, or just Crosspoint in general, is to see new faces. And so I know there's some of you that are here from our Thursday food distribution ministry. Some of you are here because a family invited you. So no matter how you got here, just know that we're glad to have you. We appreciate you being here. We're grateful to the Lord that you're here. And uh, we're praying for you. Even before you got here and even before we met you, we've been praying for you. How's that? We pray to the Lord that he would send us people that we can grow alongside of, that we could minister and serve. And so you are a fulfillment of that prayer. We believe that God has us here together and everybody that he sends over, it's because he ordained it. So you're special people. Uh, if you're interested in uh, receiving information, we would love to have your information, just a basic contact form that you could fill out with our uh, people here in the front. Or if you go to crosspointchristianchurch.com, you scroll all the way down to the end, there's a really simple form that you can fill out that'll just give us an opportunity to stay in touch with you via text, email, especially our Saturday evening newsletter where you get to find out a lot of the things that are happening in our church. But... Uh, we're just grateful. We're grateful that we're able to gather like this, and we're grateful that uh, everybody has joined us. But if you're new, you're, you're especially special. Everybody that's joining us online, we're grateful that you've joined us as well. We pray the Lord's blessing on you also. Let me mention a couple of things. Um, first off, we have childcare slash classes for kids. So if there's anybody here 10 years and under, we have uh, all the way to, down to babies. We have uh, something for them if you feel comfortable uh, leaving them there with very talented and gifted individuals. I think my wife is teaching the class. She's a public school teacher. She's, you, they'll be in good hands. If not, if you feel more comfortable hanging out to your kids there, that's perfectly fine as well. But just know that the classes, if you go through those double doors, there'll be somebody there directing you with your children if you want them to go to a class. Um, I'll, I'll quickly mention these unfortunate news. Um, 
We're going to pray for our brother Arnold Fox specifically this morning. Our sister Marcia went to go pick him up, and um, uh, it seems that he fell and hit his head. They had to call the uh, ambulance, and he was rushed to the emergency room. Most of you know who Brother Arnold is. He's a young man of, I don't know how old he is, and it doesn't really matter, but he's up there in age, but he's a blessing. He's a pillar of this church, and so uh, we'll be praying for him this morning. In fact, we'll do it now. Let's pray. Our gracious Father, we're grateful to you for all of your blessings, and we want to thank you uh, for this beautiful morning and for allowing us to gather, but uh, our hearts are also heavy at the same time. We want to pray for our brother Arnold Fox. Uh, as he took a tumble and hit his head this morning, we pray for him, that you would comfort him, and surely as well, we pray that uh, you would guide the doctors, nurses, and everyone that will be seeing him. We pray for his recovery and his well-being, Father, but we, we can't but be grateful to you for his life and what he's meant to this congregation and to all of us individually that know him. So we pray for him. We ask for your blessing and protection on him in the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. A couple of uh, other things, announcements on the quicks here. We have a graduating dinner, graduation dinner. Uh, so if anybody that's graduated, although we have some college graduates, we have some intermediate school graduates, we're going to get together on Friday night and just celebrate that as a congregation. And so if uh, you're a graduate and we may not know about him, about you, let us know, but you're also invited, you and your family. Uh, you want to talk to Bidi and, and uh, uh, RSVP with her? That, that'll be very helpful. All the information is online, especially on our newsletter. I saw that in there. Her number and all that contact info is there. As you know, My Safe Harbor is a ministry in Anaheim that we collaborate with. They're going to be having a fireworks stand. That's a way for them to raise funds for the ministry that they do, the great work that they do in Christ's name uh, to support and strengthen families. And so all they're asking is we have an opportunity to get some people just go over there and man the the booth. That's a way that we can support them. So if you're interested in that, I know there's also some information on the newsletter. Uh, you can, if, if you, I know for, for sure that Ricky reached out to me. He signed up and he's saying, hey, there's other people that want to get together and even do an all-nighter, just take care of the booth. There's need for that. That will be a lot of fun. So we're looking forward to that. You could see him for, for specific information. Uh, I'll just mention that the youth group is going to be going to the Grand Canyon. If you're thinking, like, do they need any more chaperones? No, they don't. I'm just kidding. I don't know if they do or not. I think we have a lot of chaperones. But young people, we want to invite you to be part of our, our youth group. Intermediate uh, age and over through high school, uh, we meet every Friday night. We'd love to have you join us. I believe that's it for announcements. That's all I have written down here. What a blessing to be able to get together and celebrate, recognize, hopefully encourage our human dads. But in doing that, we recognize that our Heavenly Father, I love the fact that there were a couple of songs there, both in Spanish and English, that, that spoke to that. That the fact that we get together here, that, that we're cross point, is because of the fact that we're children of God. And if God is my Father and God is your Father, that makes us siblings, brothers and sisters in the Lord. And that is what's so special about a group like this. And so... Um, we hope that this morning's message and service will be a blessing to you, but ultimately we want to glorify God. And um, I've had a couple of conversations with some people that, that make a big deal out of what is God's name. And really, you know how God is referred to most in the New Testament, especially by the Lord, is Father. 
And Romans talks about we're as children of God, we're able to come to him, not just call him father, but Abba Father, as in calling him something like Daddy. And I think a lot of us have a hard time seeing God as our Daddy because we sometimes reflect our human dad's experience with us and we kind of attribute that to him. And if we had a mean dad, which probably most of us did, if we didn't have a very compassionate dad, which most of us didn't, if we didn't have a very kind and affectionate dad, we, we kind of attribute that to, to our Heavenly Father. And sometimes we wrongfully think that God is just up there waiting to zap us every time we do something wrong and, and we couldn't be further from the truth. And I love the fact that we sang, God is a good, good father, full of compassion and love and grace and forgiveness. And we celebrate that. So this morning, what I would love to do is we want to continue our messages found in Luke. Before we do that, we're going to take communion as I see it right here. As you walked in, you should have grabbed one of these if you want to take communion with us. If you didn't, you may raise your hand and we're going to have a couple of runners come by and give you one. So we'll give everybody a chance. And what I want to do is I want to look at John chapter 1 in order for us to prepare ourselves to take communion. John chapter 1 And we're going to focus on verse 12. Gospel according to John, chapter 1. I'm going to start in verse 10 and end in 13. But verse 12 is really the key, key verse. So listen to this. This is is John, the apostle, writing his narrative. And he says in John 1.10... Speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, he says, He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. A Christian is a child of God. And a child of God is one who's been born of God. And we are born of God through receiving the message and acknowledging his name, the Savior, God who saves. There is only one name given under heaven through which man or people can be saved, and that is through Jesus. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. So we honor him. We recognize him and his name and all that he is as our Savior, as the one God in the flesh who was willing to put all of his prerogatives, all of his, everything that he enjoyed as God in heaven, he put that aside and he became a man and he lived some 33 years in this earth He was born of the Virgin Mary, and he lived a perfect life. All of that to come to a culminating event, which has happened at the cross of Calvary, where God in the flesh took upon the sins of everyone for all time, and he nailed them to the cross. And anybody who does not reject that, but acknowledges, receives that gift of forgiveness through what Jesus Christ did at the cross, is born of God. And we celebrate that today. 
We're able to be called children of God because of Christ, because of what Christ did for us at the cross. When you peel back the first layer, you, took this, you take this unleavened bread, it is symbolic. It represents the sinless body of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's take that together. As you peel back the second layer, you see the juice that represents, it symbolizes the precious blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. The payment for the sins of the world, for your sins and mine. Let's take that together. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we're grateful. We're grateful to you that on this special day we get to celebrate Father's Day, but we recognize you and we celebrate you as our heavenly perfect, holy, eternal Father. We thank you for the sacrifice that you made because of your love. You were willing to send your one and only begotten Son, our Lord Jesus, to die a painful and shameful death at the cross on our behalf. For that, we are eternally grateful. I'm also grateful for everybody who's here this morning, for those joining us online. I pray, Father, through your Holy Spirit, through your word, that you would speak to us to the deepest part of our heart and mind, that you would open our understanding and our eyes, that regardless of the reason why anybody came this morning, that we would have a special encounter with you that would transform our lives for your honor and glory. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Very good. Somebody, they're going to be walking by and taking the uh, cups, empty cups. So this morning, as I was saying, we have a message that I want to share with you. It's entitled, Man of Great Faith. And it just so happened that today being Father's Day, we are actually, as we go through the gospel according to Luke, verse by verse, section by section, that we are here at the beginning of chapter 7. So we've spent the last many months going through every verse in, in Luke, or every section. And uh, I was thinking that... Um, you know, it, chapter 7, the faith of the centurion is a great, makes for a great Father's Day message. And then I was thinking, so does, so does Luke 15. And I'm thinking, okay, that's about eight chapters away. So maybe, maybe next Father's Day will be right around chapter 15 of Luke. And we'll be able to just coincide a great message uh, for Father's Day in that. We'll see. So I'm going to read... Luke chapter 7, verses 1 through 10. This is a story of a centurion. In case you don't know what a centurion is, a centurion is a Roman soldier that is in charge of 100 men. And I want you to think about this. What kind of a man becomes in charge of 100 Roman soldiers? I would say, you ever watch the movie The Gladiator? All the guys are like, oh, yeah, 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 we've seen that. Yeah, one of my favorite movies too, for sure. I would say that kind of a man is a centurion. But we're going to, and, and, and for the most part, they would have a reputation that is just a, 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 maybe a mean individual. Man, a man's man, a soldier, somebody that can take your head off probably in less than one second with a sword kind of a thing. Like you don't want to mess with him. You don't even look at him in the eyes if you ever met one. Maybe mean, and yet this story narrated here by Luke 
gives us a glimpse of a man, though a Roman centurion, is called a man with great faith. Not a Jew, but a Roman. Not a religious individual, but a soldier. Super interesting. I find it fascinating. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at that story and we're going to make some applications for us. Uh, and, and though it's a Father's Day message, and certainly I think the dads are going to be able to resonate with this, this is by no means excluding anyone because the great faith that this man exhibits is the type of faith that all of us, man, woman, child, follower of Christ, no matter what gender you are, you should want to say, I want to have that kind of faith. That's the kind of faith that I wish to have, that I want to have, and better yet, that I'm striving towards having. So we're going to talk about that, and I'm excited. The main point this morning is that we glorify God when we demonstrate great faith. What's the big deal about having great faith? Well, it glorifies God, and you should be very interested in having your life be one that glorifies God, that brings God glory. And when we demonstrate great faith like this centurion, we are actually fulfilling the purpose for which you and I and every other thing created was created for. And that is to bring God glory. So here we go. I'm going to read Luke chapter 7, verses 1 through 10. And boy, I would love to seriously, seriously spend a couple of hours just looking at this story and, man, just picking it apart because it's so interesting. So just keep this in mind. Let's read it. Let's read it. Here it goes. Luke chapter 7, verses 1 through 10. Now when he, Jesus, concluded all his sayings in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum, and a certain centurion's servant who was dear to him was sick and ready to die. So when he heard about Jesus, he sent elders of the Jews to him, pleading with him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they begged him earnestly, saying that the one for whom he should do this was deserving. For he loves our nation and has built us a synagogue. Then Jesus went with them. And when he was already not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof. Therefore, I did not even think myself worthy to come to you. But say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man placed under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. Now listen to this. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him. That gets me emotional. When Jesus hears what people have to say about the centurion's faith, it says that Jesus marveled at him. You know how many times the Bible says that Jesus marveled at anybody? Not very many. Jesus marveled at this centurion's faith. 
And he turned around and said to the crowd that followed him, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And those who were sent returning to the house found the servant well who had been sick. Boy, I could only choose three points this morning to share with you. But what we're going to do is we're going to look at the, we're going to complete this phrase. The centurion's faith was great because of his, and we're going to look at three points. I'm going to tell you what they are. His compassion, his construction, and his confidence. We're not going to get a chance to look at his humility. Just catch what he says. This is a centurion, a Roman centurion that tells Jesus He doesn't even go and tell him. First, he sends Jewish leaders to go talk to him. And what they, that's already a big deal. The average Jew hated Rome. A centurion represented Romans' dominance over the Jewish nation. And yet you have these Jewish leaders going on the centurion's behalf to Jesus and begging him and telling Jesus, the one for whom you should do this favor is well-deserving. What kind of a centurion was this? I, I highly encourage you. I mean, we're going to be together for 20 more minutes. Or 30. <laughs> I don't know. But go home and read this story again. What kind of a man was this? He wasn't a Jew, he was a soldier, and yet he had Jewish leaders go on his behalf to Jesus and beg for him. They weren't even begging for him. They were begging for his servant. This is amazing. I love it. Before I get started, let me talk to you a little bit about a little bit of an introduction. <clears throat> Fatherhood is a difficult task. Perfect fatherhood is impossible. You won't find any perfect dads. Now, I want to I recognize that also Father's Day, like Mother's Day, and any other special day can be very difficult for some of us for different reasons. Perhaps we've not been able to have our own children. Perhaps we never knew our dad. Perhaps the dad that we did know was not that great. And sometimes... Father's Day isn't something to celebrate. It's more something that we maybe even dread. As Christians, beloved, it, it, it changes everything. The Bible says that God is a father to the fatherless. He is our father. If we're, if we're children of God, it's because we've been born of God. We have God's nature We are no longer just human. We all have a human dad. But the most important thing is that we have a spiritual dad. God Almighty, who offers us an opportunity to come into relationship with him through what Jesus did for us at the cross. And we can call him Father, not just now, but for all of eternity. That's what Christians get to enjoy and perhaps celebrate in addition to our human dads, to be able to celebrate the fact that we are children of God and that the creator 
the holy and perfect eternal creator of this universe, is our dad. I think that's amazing. But fatherhood is very important. We see that in our culture, in our society, the need for strong, spiritual, healthy fathers in the home. We, we recognize that, that fatherhood is something that is God-granted. It's important. And it's a very powerful thing. As a dad, you have the power to, to build up a life or to destroy a life in many ways. And with great power comes great responsibility. Forgot who said that. Ah, some of you guys know who said that. There is a big responsibility. And so for us here at Crosspoint, man, what a blessing it is to be able to gather. I'm telling you, what a blessing it is to be able to be part of a group like this where you can get to know other dads, other imperfect dads that themselves are broken and in need of healing, continual healing, that are also in need of in, in, continual encouragement and help. And, and we get that reciprocal help and encouragement. Is, that is a big purpose of the church. And for us men, if we're not connecting with the church, we're missing out on so much. And if you think, no, I'm good, you're not. You're not. God has granted us this special ability and privilege to call ourselves brothers brothers and sisters, but I'm talking to men right now, for us to create this brotherhood of accountability and encouragement and helping one another. It's a special thing. So I want to, I hope you're encouraged. I hope you're encouraged this morning, but not just encouraged to be a better dad. That's certainly something that all of us can strive to. But I want to encourage you to get involved to get connected in the church, and I hope that this message helps you with that. So here's what we're going to do then. Title, Man of Great Faith. The main point, we glorify God when we demonstrate great faith. And what we're going to do is we're going to go back to the same portion, and we're going to look at the fact that the centurion's faith was great because of his, point number one, his compassion. His compassion. And we're not really saying that the compassion adds to his faith, what I'm really saying is that his compassion is a demonstration of his faith. So let's look at the centurion's uh, compassion. Verse 2, it says that a certain centurion's servant who was dear to him was sick and ready to die. So this whole story really, almost for me, almost lost in the story is this servant who was sick and ready to die. And by servant, it was really a slave that for the most part, in those days, for most people that were slave owners, they were just property. You didn't care about them, but not this centurion. It says of this centurion that this slave was dear to him. So here's this man in charge of a hundred Roman soldiers, and we see his compassion that when his servant was sick and ready to die, his heart for him was breaking. Compassionate individual. I love that. And so for us, as Christians especially, but as men, are we compassionate individuals? To have compassion means literally to enter someone else's pain. Anybody around you suffering? What are you doing about it? Is it their problem? 
Of course they're suffering. They deserve it. Look at how they've been living. That's, that would be the opposite of having compassion. A compassionate individual enters into somebody else's pain. And beloved, as, as men, I want to say a word to, to those of you that either are dads or aren't dads, but you're exercising the role of, of a dad in somebody's life. I'm not a betting man most of the time. But I would bet you that if you pay attention to boys, young men, young adults around you, you're going to find many of them who don't have either a dad at all or maybe whose dad is not a good spiritual leader. And that for you is an opportunity to step into that role. And you don't go around saying like, hey, let me be your daddy here. Like, whoa. Whoa. I don't think I want that. But I appreciate you, and I applaud you, and I thank those of you. I know there's many of you here that have taken on a father-like role to young men who don't have a dad. I had a dad. I had a great dad in many ways who provided, who was always there, and in many ways was also a spiritual leader in my home. But there was a lot of things that I lacked from my dad that many men in the church supplied. Whether it was people going to my games. You know, my dad went to one of my games. He probably didn't even know I was a star. I don't know if anybody ever told him. I was pretty good. He went to one of my... Our last game, which we happened to lose a championship, right? Like, oh, he probably thought like, oh, I thought you were good. But... I had a lot of people from church go to my games and support me and encourage me. That's just one simple example. So for those of you, I'm thinking about the young adults leaders, the youth group leaders, that, and, and, and a lot of you that, that bring your grandkids to church and you bring your nephews to church. Man, I get emotional thinking about that. Whenever I see that, I'm grateful to the Lord for you, for stepping in looking at the needs, especially the spiritual. Not, we're not limited to the spiritual needs, but boy, you talk about needs, spiritual needs are all over the place, and you are able to step in and take on that role for God's glory. And here we have a centurion who had compassion. For who? For his servant. He could have so easily, and I would imagine most people would have just said, well, he's sick, he's no good to me. Get rid of them. But not this one. This one hears about Jesus. Oh, and that's a whole other sermon. He hears about Jesus. And he sends for him to come and heal his servant. He didn't want anything for himself. He wanted something from Jesus for somebody else. Isn't that awesome? Boy, if there's a problem with modern Christianity, we've talked about this. This consumerism mentality that you go to church thinking it's about you. Oh, I didn't like that song. Why do you have to sing in Spanish? Or they, why do you have to sing in English? Why do you have to? I mean, you, you name it. You name it. If you're not careful, you're going to find yourself being picky and thinking as you did when you were a baby that it's all about you. You've never grown up. It's all about God, beloved. It's all about Him. He's in control. He is the only one that takes the credit for everything. 
And when we align ourselves to that, you're going to find a level of living that you've never understood or experienced before, knowing that you're living in God's will for his glory is like nothing else. This man was a compassionate individual. Let me share a couple of verses that the Bible tells us about being compassionate. James chapter 1, verse 27. And uh, here it is in, in English and Spanish. James 1, 27 says, Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. That verse is kind of saying, hey, you want to impress God? Take care of the orphans. Take care of widows in their time of distress and keep yourself unspotted from the world. Those two things. You can't just do the first one and then be a worldly Christian and think God's going to be impressed. There's a lot of that. Be unspotted from the world. God has, calls us holy as he is holy. We are to be removed from the things of this world and then to take care of the least of these, those of whom we read in this previous chapter 6 that Jesus says, hey, the, the worldly people lend money to those that they expect to receive back. The worldly people love those who love them back. He says, but I tell you, love those who hate you. Love your enemies. Lend to those whom you know are not going to pay you back. It's, it's all the same, the same line of thinking here. One more verse. Colossians 3.12. The Apostle Paul in Colossians 3.12 says, Therefore, as the elect of God, that's who you are if you're a child of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, and long-suffering. Be a compassionate individual. Let Christ reign in your life and let that be shown through your humility and your kindness and your long-suffering like the centurion did with the servant. That is the call for us. It's not enough to worry about ourselves. In fact, that's very dangerous. It's the people around you. And it's the people around you that can't give anything back to you. That is when you are most Christ-like. As men, we have such an opportunity. There is so much need around us for masculine, strong, spiritual men of conviction with biblical principles and a biblical worldview to impact everything and everyone around you. I'm telling you, who's going to take care of the young girls around us? Who's going to take care of the young boys around us when they're being indoctrinated with all kinds of weird stuff? Who are they going to look up to if not men in the church? And they're not going to look up to men in the church if we're not compassionate and reach down and say, hey, let me introduce myself. How can I help you? All right. The centurion's faith was great because of, one, his compassion. Point number two, his construction. Now, he wasn't a construction man, but let me tell you what I mean by this. Verse 5. This is, these are the, the Jewish leaders talking to Jesus about the centurion, and they say, quote, For he, the centurion, loves our nation and has built us a synagogue. A synagogue was a worshiping place, a building where, where Jews got together. 
Now, this is happening in Capernaum. Capernaum was right in the north point of the, um, which, of the Sea of Galilee. And there were rules to the synagogues. You couldn't just, you know, one Jewish family couldn't just move into a town and then build a synagogue. You needed at least 10 heads of family. And once you had that, you can build a synagogue. And then you could gather as, as a Jewish community and worship and study the scriptures and pray. And somehow, we're not given the details, but the centurion is credited with having built them a synagogue. It's kind of like, what business is his? He's a Roman. If he would have been a normal, he would have been a pagan, polytheistic, degenerate individual. But not this man. This man was apparently a God-fearing man who cared about, who loved the Jewish nation. You know that God told Abraham, I will, I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. And here's a centurion loving and blessing the Jewish nation. And what happens? The Lord is impressed with all that. I love it. And so he, he builds them a synagogue. Try to imagine, and this is really odd, but just try to imagine somebody... Say you need a favor from somebody really important. And you know some people that are high up there that may have a little inside scoop with this very important person. And then you go up to them and say, hey, can you go talk to so-and-so on my behalf and tell him I need a really big favor that only he can do? Kind of like asking for a, uh, a recommendation letter. You ever get those? You get an email and it's like, hey, so-and-so is applying for a job and is looking for a Character recommendation. Like, oh man, what am I supposed to say about this person? Never goes to church. Oh, he did go that one time. And then whenever we need help, he's never there. What am I supposed to say? And then when we have a breakfast, he takes all the good food. Sits in the best places. He gets seconds before everybody already got once. What am I supposed to say? What, are people, what will people say about you? What will people say about you? Let's say, uh, I don't know, who's, who's a big shot here in our Christian community? Hmm? Like, uh, uh, I don't know. Let's say, let's say like a, a Greg Laurie or John MacArthur was in town, and then you wanted to meet him, and you needed a favor from them, and then you go to the elders and say, like, hey, can you guys talk to Greg Laurie on my behalf? Or, you know, yeah, what, am I, what do you want me to tell him? <laughs> what am I supposed to like, literally, think about it. What would, what would people say about you? Now, awesome. A lot of you guys, it'd be great. I get, you know, can I get a letter of recommendation? Sure. I'm like, 60 words per minute. He also does this. They do that. They're out here. They're always helpful. Great attitude. So just, just ask yourself, what would people, what can people say about you that would impress that individual? Well, this centurion had plenty to say. The fact that Jewish leaders went on his behalf was awesome. They were begging Jesus for him. That was great. And then they would say, he loves our nation. Ooh, a centurion that loves our nation? That's awesome. And he built us a synagogue. What? I want to meet that guy. Hey, look, I'm telling you, you read all the Bible and try to find how many times the Bible says that Jesus or that God was impressed with individuals, and it's not that many. 
It's just not that many. He built them a synagogue. He's in good company. Who else built stuff for the Lord? I know we're running out of time here, but what, like Noah, 120 years building an ark? Nice. That's pretty impressive. David wanting to build God a, a house, a temple, and he couldn't, but his son ended up doing it. Awesome. Moses building the tabernacle, Ark of the Covenant. And then here's a centurion. He built us a synagogue. He's in great company. Great company. Look, James 2.17 says, James 2.17 says, Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Trust me, it says that. Come on here. James 2.12 says, Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have any works, is dead. And that's a portion where it says, Show me your faith without your works, I'll show you my faith through my works. And when these religious leaders said, He built us a synagogue. He loves our nation. He cares about his servant. All of these things are evidence that this man was a man of faith, a compassionate individual, one who could could prove his faith. The centurion's faith was great because of his compassion, because of his construction, and because of his confidence. Luke 7, 7. Here's a centurion being quoted. He says, therefore, I did not even think myself worthy to come to you, but say the word and my servant will be healed. Think about that. Jesus is in town. He, 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 he doesn't just send people because he's lazy. He tells us, I, I, didn't even, I didn't even think I was worthy to be in your presence. Therefore, I sent people on my behalf. It wasn't like, hey, let me show you my power. I don't even have to go to you. I'll just send people. That's not it. That wasn't it. He counted himself unworthy. We've talked about that in the previous verses. It's kind of like Peter saying, Lord, get away from me. I am a sinful man. That's what he's saying. I'm not even worthy to come to you. I'm not even worthy to have you step into my roof. And I bet you he had probably one of the best houses in town. Where people would have been impressed by his house... He's saying, my house and me, we're not even worthy to have you under my roof. This guy was awesome. He says, I didn't even think it worth myself worthy to come to you. And listen to this. But just say the word and my servant will be healed. You know what that is? Has complete, confident faith. You don't even have to come over here. You don't have to lay hands on him. I know enough about you that all you have to do is just say the word and he'll be healed. How's that? What did he hear about Jesus? He knew something about the God of Israel. He loved the nation of Israel. And I don't know what they said about Jesus, but I wanted to ask you that. What does your life say about Jesus? What do you tell people about Jesus? How are people... Where did that faith come from? You know what Romans 10, 17 says? It says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It is through hearing the word of God that faith is born in us. We don't just grab faith out of the air. It's through hearing God's word. 
Why? Because God's word is alive. It is through God's word he spoke the universe into existence. There is nothing difficult for God. And this man somehow understood that, that he believed it. I'm not worthy to come to you. I'm not worthy to have you come into my house. Just say the word and my servant will be healed. That is faith. Is there something in your life you think God can't do? Sometimes we'll invite people to church. Nah, I'm not a church kind of a person. If he only knew who I was, if he only knew what I've done, how unimpressive. You think you're all that. Read the Bible, you're going to find you. Don't compare to some of the people that God saved. A man that is called a man after God's own heart takes another man's wife and has him killed in battle. This is one of the things that he did. I just want you to understand that we can come to God in total confidence. Why do I dare stand here in front of you with God's word open because I'm perfect? What? Don't be ridiculous. I stand here in full confidence that despite who I am, despite my shortcomings, despite what I've done, despite who I am, I am completely confident that what Jesus did at the cross, he did it for me. And that is what Paul says. He says, I'm crucified together with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me in the life that I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. None of us are perfect, but in Christ we are forgiven, we are redeemed, we are new creatures in Christ. Living for God's glory. We see his compassion, we see his construction, we see his confidence. Let me share a couple of verses with you. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. It says, but without faith... It is impossible. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. We see that in the centurion. He believed not only that he existed, but that he had the power, the power to do. Philippians 1.6 says, Being confident of this very thing, Paul says, that he who begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. He started the work in you. He will complete it. Oh, but you don't know me. I'm such a... You're not anything that God can't handle. Are you willing to repent and confess your sin, turn from it? Are you willing to surrender to this great and mighty King of kings and Lord of lords? If you are, then he's willing to accept you and transform you. And he will begin a work in you and he will complete it. Not tomorrow. But on the day of Jesus Christ, when you pass from this life, his, his saving work will be complete in the sense that we are saved from the penalty of sin. A Christian will never see condemnation, Romans 8.1. We're being saved from the power of sin. We still battle with sin. But one day we'll be saved from the presence of sin. And that won't be until your, this body is in the ground 
Until then, you will battle sin. Isaiah 41.10. All right, I wanted to use this verse as a, as a last verse to hopefully as we leave here, you're encouraged. Listen to this when we talk about confidence in God. Isaiah 41.10 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Many of you are thinking that the Christian life is all about you maintaining it and working really hard to not lose it. You're wrong. The Christian life is to surrender on behalf of Christ, to accept what he's done for you, and to let God do his saving work as he makes you a new child of his. With a new nature. And it is our job to love God and to be transformed through the power of the Holy Spirit and his word so that we could be more like Christ and more like Christ. And we'll never get to that, but that is the standard, that is the goal, that is what we strive towards in humility, in recognition that we're not there yet and that we're not even close. But we do rejoice in that we are no longer who we used to be. We may not be who we ought to be and what we could be, but we sure thank God we're not the same people we used to be. Who were we? Dead in sins and trespasses, hopeless in this world. But now we have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And those who used to be far off, clueless, are now children of God, heirs of God and co-heirs of Jesus Christ. And by his Holy Spirit, we can call him Abba Father. He does the work. Let's rejoice in that. Let's focus on that. And let's live a life that is pleasing to him. Let's get together. Let's build each other up. Let's be in the word. Let's be in prayer. Read the Bible. Discuss it. Be in a group. As we do that, as we are more Christ-like, we'll be better dads. As we become better dads, we'll be able to impact other people's lives for the glory of God. To him be the glory, beloved. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we're grateful to you for all of your blessings, for allowing us to spend this special time. Thank you for the breakfast we had this morning and the people that arranged that and got that going and served us. We're grateful. We thank you. We thank you for our worship team that led us in worship and we sang these songs about you being our good, good father. And we thank you for your word, Holy Spirit, for, for leading us, for guiding us, for teaching us. We thank you for the centurion man who's a, such an awesome example for us. We see that our Lord Jesus was marveled at his faith at this man. And he told the people with him that he's never seen such great faith. We fall short, but we want to have that type of faith. And we want to live that kind of impactful life for your glory, Father. For that, we need you. So we thank you. I ask for your blessing and protection on everyone here, those who listened online, that as we go forward, Father, we would rejoice in being your children, but that we would also have this sense of responsibility and privilege to live a life that is worthy of your calling. We pray in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. God bless you, beloved. You're dismissed.